So, good morning, everyone. This is Elizabeth Copeland. And Hallie Williams. And we are here with another exciting episode of Out of Grief Comes Art, the, the podcast, podcast. <laughs> from Grief Dialogues. And today we have decided to go back to doing a video. We did that yeah. in our inaugural episode. People loved it. They really want to see our really want to see our our wonderful guests in addition to hear them. So today I am so honored to bring Robert Party to the screen. And I'll tell you in a minute how we met. But first, Hallie has a couple of messages. All right. First of all, thank you so much today to Be Present Care for sponsoring us. And so it is sponsored in part by Be Present Care, an organization that provides guidance, support, and conversation for transitions, caregiving, and end-of-life planning. Visit www.bepresentcare.com to learn more. Right. Awesome. So I just want to make a point that we usually, since we're not on camera, we we usually just have that in the background. So we're sitting here kind of going, right. oh, yeah. But anyway, I hope everybody got a good chuckle out of that. Do check out <laughs> BePresentCare.com because Stephanie Elkins is really oh, yeah. a, a resource beyond compare she for end-of-life planning. She's awesome. So, Hallie, I want to officially introduce you to one of my favorite people in the whole world, Robert Party. And I met Robert via LinkedIn, yeah. power of social media. Yep. Wait, but you didn't meet him like yesterday. You met him a couple of years back. Well, like, I met COVID? him. Actually, I looked during COVID, yeah. you know, during COVID. A lot of things happened during COVID, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but on, I actually looked it up this morning on March 21st. No, I'm sorry. March 14th, okay. 2021. Okay. I got an email from Robert uh -huh. saying that you had come across my profile and that you wanted to talk to me a little bit more about what I was doing because of what you were doing. And Robert, uh, first of all, uh, why don't you tell us where you are currently located and then tell us a little bit more about the article that you sent me, which by the way, I'm gonna read the article and we'll put a link to it, everyone, we'll put a link to yeah. it in our, in our um, social media and on our website. It's, uh, the article is in the New York Times and it was actually in the New York Times in 2010 with an update, which I'll let Robert uh, uh, address in a minute. And it was the title of the article is Helping Patients Face Death. Mm -hmm. She Fought to Live. And the story about Desiree, uh, Robert's wife, and Robert, I'll let you tell the rest of the story. So tell us how it all began. <laughs> Sure. Well, first, hello, everybody. And Elizabeth, I am so happy that you actually <laughs> accepted my my request. And it's been so great getting to know you. And um, I just, I, I love working with you. Aww, so you got my heart. <laughs> okay. No, I tell you, she's, she, well, you already know she's amazing. Mm. So, um, <coughs> oh, yeah. But, wow. Just Mutual I think here. the first conversation we had was supposed to be like, a 15 minute introduction. <laughs> we were on the phone for like an hour and a half or something, something right. crazy. We just yeah, we were just talking forever. But you had a lot so, to say, and it was uh, wonderful. I, I, I always have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful <laughs> stuff, though. Okay, Powerful wait, before stuff. you get too far, can we do the thing they do, sure. like, on the news, the local news, where I say, okay, Robert, where are you calling in from? And then you have to pause for, like, 30 seconds and let the wind go behind you. And then tell, <laughs> now, and then, and then tell, our, reader, or tell our listeners. 
I, I wish I could actually make because before there was an incredible storm. So, but why don't I do this? So I am. Hello, everybody. Okay. So I don't know if you could see that view. Can you see that view? Yes. Beautiful. Okay. All right. Because it's really dark. So I am calling from some town. I have no idea what the name is. Um, in Abruzzo, on the on the Adriatic shore, I think it's called. I have no idea what the name is. I know I'm near San Benedetto, um, and I'm near Ancona, but this place, I have no idea what the name is. And um, I'm sitting outside on a beautiful terrace oh. because there was this amazing storm that knocked out the Wi-Fi. So I'm using a hot spot, and our fingers are crossed, and hopefully no more hail is going to come crashing oh, down on me. And um, okay. so that's where I am. Great. Okay, we're in Italy, calling live from Italy. Yes. Okay, now go ahead and tell us a little bit about your grief story. I didn't mean to interrupt, sorry. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not, not at all. So my, my, I was married to an amazing woman. Oh, I love that. I, I, I was lucky enough to meet her when she was 17 and I was 19. So, um, you know, we grew up together, we grew together, mm. um, we helped each other grow. And um, right before her 31st birthday, she was diagnosed with late-stage breast cancer. And mm -hmm. this was in the late 90s. So back then, we did not have the medication we have now for metastatic breast cancer. Um, she opted for a stem cell transplant, which was experimental at the time, which created a tremendous amount of problems for her, mm. uh, including early aggressive menopause and a destroyed immune system with low white blood cell counts all the time and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but she was amazing, like I said. And um, I truly, you know, the term is caregiver, but my wife was pretty self-sufficient. So I was more her life coach, which led me into life coaching. Um, and I sort of became, I was her support. I played the middle role between her and the doctors because she was studying to be an MD, PhD, mm -hmm. and she asked me to keep all the information to myself. She didn't want to know anything about her disease. Oh, because that was that was her coping mechanism. Yeah, mm. she said, I, "I know enough to be dangerous to myself, so I need you to deal this with this for me." And she she survived for eleven years, and in that period of time, she became the founding director of palliative care at New York Hospital while having metastatic breast cancer while That's having amazing. chemotherapy every Friday. And basically she had chemo, let's say every other week for 11 years. I mean, her, oh. it was amazing her body was able to do as much as it did oh, wow. or take as much as it did. So um, that's the experience I had that sort of led to grief. I talked to Elizabeth a little bit about, you know, a lot of the skills I used to deal with everything I realized I learned as a child being the child of an alcoholic father. And in a way, oh. I guess I didn't have a normal childhood. And so that was my first real encounter at a type of loss. And I developed skills around that. Uh -huh. And so when my wife became ill, I had all these life skills that I could put to use. Mm. And I look back on it, and I'm very thankful for the way I grew up because my wife and I were to, we really were able to have an amazing life, which is why I wrote a book and yeah. uh, confront everything in a very proactive way because of what I learned. So, while my grief journey 
was the loss of my wife. I realized a lot of skills came from sort of the loss of my childhood to a certain extent. Mm, I didn't put yeah. that together when I was, you know, but it, while I was in the process with, with Desiree, um, as I was the holder of the information and knew that the cancer was spreading and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those skills came to, came to use. Mm. Mm. I think this is so interesting as you speak about childhood um, trauma, maybe is a good way to say that and how yeah, those skills yeah. have kind of ha- to helped you navigate life it's almost like history repeats itself i'm in my late 20s and so there's a lot of things that in my head are childhood trauma whatever they may be for me that i'm like wow this is really helping me and i'm i'm you know i'm using those skills to to live life right mm-hmm. and yeah. so so we're going to get into this a little bit later in the episode. Robert has written some amazing books and one of them does kind of focus on the inner child. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that you brought up how helpful that is to mm-hmm. help with your grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if I, I could just add something because it's something yeah. I, I learned, I learned with Desiree, uh, you know, because to a certain extent, um, what came out of us being a team and the role she asked me to play was uh-huh. a level of intimacy, which is, I think, very hard for most people to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to let go of my ego and mm. a lot of other things. But what I realized is that, you know, I could have been very angry for everything that was happening. Yeah. But if I looked at myself in the mirror mm. and I asked myself a question, Robert, are you happy with who you are? If the answer was yes, I had to thank my childhood. I had to thank my father. Oh. I had to thank the, 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 the disease that my wife was dealing with because it all made me who I was. It allowed me to express mm. things inside me that probably would delay dormant. Mm. And that's a very hard thing to wrap your head around because nobody wants those things to happen. But a lot of it does, like you said, you know, here you are, you're realizing that there's some things that you would call trauma and you're realizing they're helping you. Um, the more we allow ourselves to step into that area of vulnerability and look at those things and look at the gifts they may have instead of thinking, you know, you know, I'm so angry at the world, I'm so angry at whatever you know being is out there that's controlling my life, um, and saying, no, you know what, I'm choosing to react a certain way because of things I learned. Mm. Put you in a to place learn of power. behavior. That's that's also yeah that ties into artists for me. So we could get into that later, but that's part right. of art. Right. Interesting. Um, I love it. So actually, I realized, because I, I feel like I know you so well, Robert, or, or pretty well, uh, that our listeners won't necessarily know about your background, which is really how how you can write about yeah. about this this grief in such a in such a way that resonates with people so i know hallie you have the bio would you mind i do i have a bio um that i feel like doesn't do justice but but (laughs) it doesn't do justice (laughs) you uh, yeah um so i'll read it quickly but then i would love you robert to just you know go ahead and and let it dive deeper so robert party is a three-time author keynote speaker transformational life coach and adjunct professor after his young wife desiree passed away of breast cancer robert reimagined his life by changing everything to share the many lessons he's learned he now splits his time between his native new york and his ancestral italian vi- village pesentro did i say that right Pacentro. okay i butchered it let's try it again but Pacentro. Yes. Yes. I love it. Okay. Um, but really, 
he wrote this little statement, um, a little belief statement, and I might have to print it and put it on my wall right next to my computer. Um, I believe living life authentically and in harmony with our uniqueness is the greatest expression of art. I express my uniqueness through my books, but also through understanding that each and every imperfection in life, which could be grief, hardship, adversity, is like the hand cut stones in ancient mosaics. Mm. It's the imperfections which add unparalleled, unique depth and beauty to such mosaics which is the same for our lives so yes that like could bring me to tears um (laughs) because i'm i'm all about like the metaphors and symbolism and all those things but that is such a true statement i mean like the hand cut stones of our lives there's everything is hand everything is custom everything has to be you have to find the missing piece to fit it in the spot Mm. in the mosaic that's just such a great analogy for life and especially grief. Well, you, you know, it's, well, thank you for, for, for bringing that up because I, I do, that's what I meant about sort of how it all tied into to being an artist, right? Mm. We are all creating, if we're conscious about it, we become the creators of our life. Mm. Um, as mm. well as content creators for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, mm-hmm. which is extremely important to understand that the way we act, live, behave is something we're giving other people that they hopefully will build upon. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we may we may leave money or whatever the case is for for somebody after we pass away. Yeah, but if we left them an example of living our uniqueness, mm. that wow. helps them live their uniqueness. And that makes us all artists, right? Because that's what true diversity is all about. Oh, that's that, so that's the, the colors of the rainbow and everything else. Diversity is is expression, it's mindset. Um, so when I talk about the mosaics, yeah. after after Desiree passed away, uh, and and I moved to Italy, mm-hmm. and I moved to Italy because nothing resonated with me anymore, and I had seen my wife achieve her dreams. And I looked at my life and I said, what do I really want to look back on? What is the story I want to look back on? Hence, part of the artist thing is the story we're writing, right? The mosaic we're building, the painting we're painting. And I realized that I always wanted to live in Italy. So I picked up and moved to Italy. And I was living in Rome. And I remember walking into this church called San Clemente. And it I has recognize the most that amazing. Name. So weird. Well, it's also the city, it's a city in Southern California, but San Clemente in, in yeah. Italy is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Saint Clement. I think he's everywhere. But probably. Um, so, so I walked in, and there were these beautiful. It's the most beautiful mosaic flooring I've ever seen, and I just would sit there and look at them. That's where I started realizing. I'm like, wow, you know these pieces all every single piece is unique every single piece is what we would call flawed and yet that's what's really making this so special and it can't be replicated it can't be replicated oh yeah oh my god and so that and but that's that's what we are right yeah we to a certain extent what's really crazy if you really think about it we don't even live all in the same world because my experiences are completely different than yours so your world around you is different than the way i see the world 
right? And but we try, all try to connect as well, and sometimes we forget about those things. So um, for me, the the most important thing, and that's why that you talked about the book about the inner child. So many people told me not to write it. Really? Um, yes, yes, because it has no. It's a children's book for adults, even though it's not really a children's book, but it's a children's story. It's it's a fable. This is this um, is a Pimby tale, right? A Pimby tale. A yep. Pimby tale. Okay. But the thing was, I knew it was an expression that. I needed to put out there. Mm, it good. was another piece in my mosaic. And, um, you know, like you said, I, I, I love metaphors and I love all these images and stuff like that. You know, when, when Desiree and I would talk about her disease or our life, the term we would say is cancer is not the dominant color in our painting. Oh, it's a hot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, we lost you, Robert. Oh, oh there he is. You're back. There. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, um, cancer is uh, not a dominant color in... Oh, okay. So, cancer is not a dominant color in the painting of our life. Oh, wow. It is an accent. It is a color that gives contrast. Wow. This is great. It doesn't... All of those things that we experience, they don't have to be the dominant issue. Right. We decide. Right. We really do decide at the end of the day. And that's part of when you think about an artist, right? Um, an artist has to make those decisions of what they want to include, not include. Mm. Um, Elizabeth and I have talked about sculpting. I love the idea of sculpting. The little oh. town I live in, Achenthro, uh, there's a sculptor that goes up to the mountains and he brings back the rocks from the mountains and he sculpts these little figurines. Wow. And I've watched him sculpt. But also, I mean, if you think about, um, there's a great, uh, who was it? It was Da Vinci that said that David was always inside the marble. He just had to get to David. Yeah. Um, but mm. sculpting is chipping away the unnecessary. Oh wow, that's true. How much? How much wow. unnecessary is there in our lives, right? That yeah. we should be letting go of. Oh man, how yes. many quotes are you going to give us? Today? <laughs> writing. I just want to know. <laughs> She's writing <laughs> no, them down. I'm just going to play this back and, and write, get the transcript at this but point. This, but this Crazy. is so you know. Just a, just a little aside. I have uh, a friend, a playwright friend, who lost his son to suicide, and mm -hmm. I think the most uh, powerful statement he said to me when you was discussing it was uh, my wife and I decided we would not let this define us That's and right. it did not mean they didn't love him they did not it did not mean he, they weren't broken by it they did not yeah. question you know they, they questioned themselves what they could have done right what they could have must have done wrong or may you know or maybe not but the point being they weren't gonna let it define them and this I, I really that really hit me powerfully and that sounds to me like something that you're that you too are kind of you know, sort of uh what i want to say sort of encouraging us to when we get a hard, hard diagnosis or hard information like a cancer diagnosis that the definition that's not who we are as people right. we're not our cancer now and interestingly we i i think that that theme applies to a lot of things a lot of different versions of grief that aren't just chronic illness or loss Right, like one hundred percent, or death, or, yeah. or sorry, or, yeah. or death. Like we um, recently just spoke to another woman last week when we were doing some 
recordings and she went through a major job loss and she had to go through this period of time to grieve that and with that she said something similar she, she mm. said don't let this this not define me right right, right. the loss and the, the loss the job the, and even the job it, doesn't define define who yeah, you are well, the, right? the, for, for me and elizabeth and i have talked about this i've said this on on other um grief topics or in books or workshops or whatever yeah is that loss is an impact of identity mm. at the end of the day loss is a lack of self identity and security because the world doesn't seem safe anymore i'm an acronym person as well so that's the other side yes. of me right the acronyms yeah so loss is a lack of self and security so any of those things if you are an entrepreneur and your company goes bankrupt yeah it's it, it attacks your identity the question that the question what i always say is that you know look i will not let that define me yeah it does become let's say a thread in the fabric of who i am mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. made that fabric thicker right it's made it a little stronger but it's not again it's not the dominant thing but it is something that i move this is the other thing we don't move on from grief we move forward with grief oh my goodness. we can't forget about it those are the words i really needed to hear this morning um mm -hmm as I'm navigating very recent grief with the loss of my father. And um, wow. and it's one of those things I'm like, this is not going away. And I, I said that the other day, I think, recently. I was like cooking or something. And I was like, oh, it's not going away. And I kind of thought something similar. I was like, it's not going to go away. You know. So, okay. We, we try so hard. I'm oh, sorry. We, it's just yeah. we try so hard to get to, to get rid of it, right? right. Um, and, and the thing is, it's just another stone in that mosaic, right? Mm -hmm. Desiree is a big, beautiful piece in that mosaic, yeah. but it's part of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing with, with your dad at that moment. You know, if you think about it, grief is a measurement of the value you gave to what's lost. Mm -hmm. And so why would you want to move on from that attachment? Right, you don't want to forget that. That's a good point. So in a way, it's it's just starting to look at it differently, and but realize it is there. I still it's going to be thirteen years, I think, this year. If I pass a shop and I see a pair of earrings that Desiree would have liked, my instinct is to buy them, and I get that little twinge, and I'm like, eh. and then I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Wow, and that's even after thirteen years. But you yeah, know what? Those wow. words actually bring me a lot of comfort because I mean, I'm only a few months removed, but it's. That the fact that you still get a twinge, mm. right? Like I'm not the only person who gets a little. No, mm. no. You know, I I totally agree, yeah. and um, I just want to bring it so our listeners know what what we're talking about here in terms of your first book, which is Chasing Life. Yeah. Um, you wanted yeah. so that's and that's the book that that is based on well not based on but is the Desiree story your story and Desiree's story. Mm -hmm. You want to tell us a little bit about that book and how it came to be. Sure. Um, so it, it came to be in the most unusual way, I have to say. Um, and I'm, I'm blessed that I actually had such a wonderful friend. I have such a wonderful friend. So after Desiree passed away and the article was on the front, front page of the New York Times, um, so many people said, you know, you really should write a book. And I wasn't really there. I'm like, I don't know if I really want to write a book. I don't know if I want to be the guy that, um, you know, is let's say benefiting from the story of, the, I'm like, you know, I just, yeah, it's, it's I my get thing. That. 
And so I have this friend, her name is Phyllis Mulhado, and she said, you know what, why don't you just let me interview you and tell me some of your stories? Because, you know, you don't want to lose them. And then right around sometime in 2019, um, she said, you know what, I want to give you this. It's an outline for a book. Um, your story with Desiree is still so important, and I think people need to hear it. And when the pandemic yeah. happened, I just jumped in and said, because I was realizing what people were living was exactly what I was living. They were living the uncertainty, the unknown, the discomfort, the grief, um, the the change in lifestyle. I mean, it was everything. Mm -hmm. But Desiree and I learned how to live in joy. I can't tell you how like, how often we laughed and we joked oh. and we we lived and we loved it. And so that's what Chasing Life is about. Chasing Life is about living a life around diversity. Living a life around and, um, diversity. Sorry, living a life around adversity. 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 Right. Okay. Adversity. And so, um, yeah, then I just... Said, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this, and and you did, and I did, mm -hmm. and that just led me on a one-year writing spree. <laughs> wow! So. Yes. Now, were you a writer before this, or would you consider yourself a writer before this? Before you jumped head, you know, head first. Okay, so um, I, I tend to be a really open person, so I'll be, I'll be very open that I don't really tell many people. So oh. when I was a young boy, um, I liked to write stories. Okay. And my dad would beat me because it was a feminine thing to do. Oh. And I wasn't playing sports. Mm. And I yeah. sort of forgot about writing. And um, mm. as an equity analyst, I had to write all the time. And you have to write a story around a company and a stock for someone to buy or to sell, right? So um, in a way there is, even though you're putting facts in there, you have to create an argument. And so, um, but I never thought about writing. As soon as I started writing Chasing Life, yeah. uh, everything just started bubbling up and I, and I realized mm. how much I love it. I love to write, yeah. which is why A Pimby Tale was written because A Pimby Tale was written more for the little boy that was inside me that always wanted to tell a story. Oh, I'm super excited about A Pimby Tale. I, I'm very excited about all your books, so I should really clarify that to our listeners. Okay. But but A Pimby, like of the three that he has authored so far, Pimby Tale really catches my attention and heart because it does address childhood trauma. And it makes me think, um, as a parent of young kids, like, what is a perfect childhood? I don't, I don't know that I can really deliver a perfect childhood to my kids, nor do I think I actually want to. Now, I'm not saying that I want to fill it with bad things or toxic things or trauma, but I don't know that I want to give them the sheltered utopia because I don't think that then they'll have anything to pull from it. Mm. I, I'm, you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, no, I, 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 I so what you know what you mean, and I think. I mean, I think the perfect childhood is if we, and I don't have kids, I didn't have kids. Um, yeah. You know, it wasn't something that was in the cards for us. But if if I think about what I would define as a perfect childhood, mm. it would be allowing the child to express themselves, to feel yeah. safe mm. and to feel the freedom to 
actually be unique. Yeah. Oh, and that's okay. it, right? Yeah. And explore and who they want to be at their exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I and I also I want to say that too. I mean, art with each creation. I know for me as a uh, my goal is to have it be unique from something else that I have written or produced or right. or some something different from somebody else who has produced uh so uh i know we're we're also kind of wrap running down in our our half hour time slide today, but this is so yes. i mean oh my gosh robert there's so much stuff and so we definitely want to have you back please please i definitely um, i definitely def, def, i'm sorry i just moved it for a second and see if i could get better lighting yeah. but i see i'm fading away <laughs> <laughs> but but but, um, but what i want to say too is that um you have so much advice to give people yeah what so our, our listeners are generally people who have experienced some some loss recent or not yep. but they're also exploring different ways to deal with that loss and uh, so what might be a recommendation maybe in the artistic vein that you might uh, give people who who want to express their love their grief through art Sure. Um, there's so much I can think of. First, I just I do want to say because I, I think it's very important for people to hear over and over and over again. There is no right way to deal with grief. There mm. is no right recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone needs to find what works for them. Right. You know, the whole idea we want everyone to get get over and move on um, because there's so much discomfort of because we don't know how to deal with someone that's in. Yeah. Um, but for some people, it could be months. For some people, it could be years. I mean, I donated Desiree's clothing the, the day after she passed away. I mean, she, but I told her after when she actually died. <laughs> um, I, I like you know whispered in her ear. I'm like, baby, you know who I am. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to go. <laughs> yeah, so, right. you know, yeah, like, yeah. Everything's got to go. You know who I am, right? Because uh, this is the way I'm going to deal with it. But um, in terms of one, for me, journaling was extremely important. And there is no right way at all to journal. Um, what I found is I just would start off with writing things like what I'm, I was feeling mm-hmm. and then just fo- keep following. Why am I feeling this way? Yeah. And then I come up with an answer. Why is that the answer? Like I would just keep asking myself questions. Right. The other thing for me that I think is extremely important is, um, and this is video, so this is good. So. Right. right. Let's say this is this is this is the loss we have, right? This big circle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We f- we feel we need to somehow fill that circle. We have to right. cover it up. Right. We have to stuff something in it. Mm-hmm. It's too big. Mm-hmm. Regardless mm-hmm. of what type of loss, you know, even for men, like erectile is dysfunction, whatever loss you're yeah. in, it doesn't have to be the yeah. loss of somebody. But if this is the circle, Instead of trying to fill it with a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. allow yourself to daydream like when we were kids. Just daydream about what would be nice to put into that circle. Wow. What would I like to have in my life now? Mm-hmm. You don't have to make decisions, but just start to fantasize about that. That's mm-hmm. what led me to Italy. Mm-hmm. I finally got to that point that uh-huh. said, I, I started putting a picture together and I realized, you know what? I want to live in a little town in Italy. And yeah. what's stopping me from this doing is it. part of my mosaic this is part of right. my mosaic right. so you know you can't fill it up all at once so is there something small you can find and whether that that could be you know 
whether it is you know journaling, drawing, play.、Uh, it could be puzzles. It could be coloring books.、Singing. It could be re- reading again. It could be you know taking yoga classes. Whatever the what's that one little thing? And it's going to feel uncomfortable at first, regardless,、mm. because it always does feel uncomfortable because you're stepping. You're stepping into something new that you never wanted to have in your life、right. because you had expectations of what your life should be. Right. And so, you have to get through that discomfort. But that's that's where I found it's very important is to start to daydream. So you、wow. thought that it was so important. We're at the end of our episode, but I want to make sure that we mention this to our listeners so they have. You, they, you are. You have three books to choose from from Robert at the moment,、um, and the third one. This is a great segue. Is called Possibility in Action: Fifty Two Weeks of Mental Musing, which I think, from looking up, it's available on Amazon, right? Yes. And I think that this is a great、um, way to, you know, weekly do a check in with yourself and self reflect and and get your brain thinking about that. Circle that he just spoke about, and you know what? What are you building for yourself? They, you know, to keep moving through it. Yeah, absolutely. And may, actually, Rob, if you don't mind, let's just take an extra minute here. Could you tell us about this book、yeah. because this、yeah. is really powerful stuff. Sure. So,、um, possibility in action is is actually the hashtag I gave myself. It's my life's philosophy. Oh, okay.、It's, I like that. I, 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 I looked at myself, and when I thought about you know that story I want to look back on and everything、mm. else, I wanted to know that I was taking action to embrace possibilities that would move me towards something that I want towards、mm. the future. And so, what possibility in action is is it talks a little bit about how I came up with the idea of possibility in action. What are the different pieces that fall into that, such as the understanding and permanence,、um, such as understanding purpose,、uh, and a bunch of other things? The fifty-two mental musings.、Um, I, as we've been talking about now, like mosaics and all this other stuff, kaleidoscopes. I mean, that's a whole other metaphor if we want to go down there. But I have these thoughts, random thoughts, and an example of one would be, and even today it happens. Italy is very old school, so you have to pay the tolls. There's really no easy pass.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was online at a toll booth, and I started thinking about how often are we confronted with toll booths in our lives? Wow! And we、mm-hmm. never question them. Are、right. do we want to go down the road we're still on? Do we want to pay that toll, which is our time, which is a bunch of things, right?、Mm-hmm. That's the cost of that. And so one of the musings is, you know, a page and a half of talking about that idea,、mm. and then some journaling questions to ask people, you know,、oh. really, Ojeron, do you want to continue to invest your time, energy, thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, on that road、mm. because you're paying a toll? Because you're paying a toll. Oh wow, that oh, is an、fantastic. excellent place to、yes. leave our listeners. Yes, for today. For today,、okay, we'll have you back, Robert,、oh. and maybe with a little sun、Excellent. on your face. I'm so、uh. relieved to know that you're a life coach because, I mean, you're just giving gold, and I need all. <laughs> I need to hear all of these. You、things. need to be a life coach. <laughs> you、This、need to、important. be a life coach. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so so much,、um, and we'll have links to all, all three books. Yes. And, and、uh, anyway, thank you again, Robert. This has been great. And it's been so great to meet you. Finally, we've chatted through email, but I'm just really grateful to see your face and to have you on our show. So this has been another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art from Grief Dialogues. Thanks again, Robert.
Yes. Thank you, Robert, thanks, and to thanks, everyone. Thanks to the and both of you. We will see you next week. Have a great Wednesday, guys. Thanks. Bye.